the expression from the music inspired me so much to take risks and it inspired damn near the whole rap game. Hello again, I'm Adam Unz. You may know me as the host of The Opus, and now I'm bringing my own show, The Spark Parade, to the Consequence Podcast Network. I speak with artists and creatives about the cultural artifacts that spark their personal interest and creativity, whether it's music, books, movies, video games, or any other kind of art. I've never spoke about it in this amount of detail. I'm suddenly going, oh my God, I'm blowing my own mind here, Christ. It's, it's actually a giant part of my life. By talking about the things we love, we share and discover insights into our personality and the things that drive us. It's just magic, really. I mean, frustrating and it makes some people angry, but I don't think anyone's ever done anything like it. I speak with people like Connor Robers, Phoenix's Thomas Mars, Chris Gethard, Helen Hong, Adrian Young, and more, so their sparks of inspiration can start a fire in you. I'm grateful for those who continue to put our history and who we are as a people in the forefront and make you see it. Find the Spark Parade wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody, it's Barry from the What Podcast. Hey, it's Russ. Hey, it's Brian, and we are giving away two tickets to Bonnaroo 2024, these are GA+, and they include camping. Russ, how do people get qualified? We want to hear your top artists to play on the Bonnaroo 2024 lineup. Call 423-667-7877 and tell us who we should check out. It's the What Podcast. Thanks. John DiDominici is Jeff Rosenstock's right-hand man, or at least he's played with Jeff for many years. He's currently the bass player in Jeff's band. He used to play bass and bomb the music industry. And back in the arrogant sons of bitches years, John played a whole variety of instruments. Today, we sit down with John and ask him every question we can think about regarding his role in Jeff's different projects. And John gives us the best answers. So sit down and listen to the greatest conversation of 2022. So Jeff Rosenstock kind of has almost a, what I would consider almost a silent partner in, in everything that, that he does. And that's John DiDominici. Yeah. Been with him for a long time, holding it down on not only the bass, but I guess almost every other instrument we found out, but mostly bass. Yeah. I mean, when it came to uh, Arrogant Sons of Bitches, the first band, John wasn't a steady part of that band and he did play pretty much every instrument but i think once bomb the music industry became a band no longer a jeff solo project mm -hmm. i think john was just pretty much the bass player from that point forward one of my favorite things that i don't see a ton of anymore but maybe john will hear me say this and start doing it more but whenever john would be doing sound he would uh he would tweet about how bad the show was <laughs> I loved it so much. I really hope John starts doing that again. Yes. Tweet more. <laughs> Tweet more about how, how bad it is doing sound at some of these shows. Man. <laughs> Wait, how many jobs do you have, John? Well, uh, I work for a lot of different people. I'd say I have two proper jobs. I'd say I have a rock and roll job, and then I have like a pretty non, a pretty, pretty businessy, sooty job corporate job that's rock and roll adjacent so it makes me really feel like it's not a rock and roll job because it's close but i have to wear like a tie is it like uh, audio tech stuff yeah it's like corporate av so instead of like oh. you know working for a band i'm working for like a doctor and i put a microphone on a doctor and i listen to the doctor talk about god knows what <laughs> 
for eight hours. And those are like the good ones. Sometimes I work for some pretty fucking soulless people. Uh, you know, like famously, I used to, before he became the visibly the worst person in the world, I did a uh, year as like the stage manager for uh, this real estate and wealth tour that toured America and Canada with Donald Trump as the <laughs> keynote speaker in like, wow. two, in like 2004. Um, and so, so you had to mic up Donald Trump? No, I just told him where to go. He wouldn't put a mic on him. He didn't like anyone touching him. He would just go to the podium. <laughs> but I, I, I've told this to people before, like fame, like one of my many like idiot jobs on that was when he'd come out, uh, they would shoot all this confetti and, and then he would, he would come out and they'd send all these like girls out with him, like these like girls in like little, like skimpy clothes. And it would say fun on their shirts. They're called the fun girls. So one of my jobs is fucking sucked. So one of my jobs was if any of the confetti landed in his hair, I had to send one of the girls back out to like flirt with him in a non, like in a non, like, uh, nondescript way like and get the ha- get the get the confetti out of his hair because no one could look at his hair could be focused on it and like in no uncertain terms was i told if you fail at this you will immediately be fired there were <laughs> there were so many immediate like fire like fire like firing offenses on that job it was crazy but i was like 22 and it, it was a lot of money for me i never made anything like that i worked at i was working at like pizzerias and stuff like that and then i was like doing this job and i was like touring america like and i was like staying in nice hotels and like you know it was great i still live with my fucking mom so like i didn't even like it was like oh i better not lose this job this is a lot of money i'd like better get the confetti out of this dumb dumb's hair uh you know i just thought that's how it was that's like oh just like when you work for these people it's just like everyone's terrible and you know listen i'm 41 now 80 percent of that's still true but, you know, you find the 20% of people that are not terrible in that world and you can kind of get by. Yeah. Right. Well, and he wasn't he wasn't the monster that we think of him now. He was. He just wasn't as open. Right. You didn't know it back then. Like, the worst thing he did, it was like during his, like, Rosie O'Donnell face. Like, New Yorkers knew he was a shitty person. But, like, it wasn't, like, a thing where, like, if you asked me today, would you do that? Like, no. Like, I would not. God, no. I wouldn't go anywhere near. You couldn't. There's not enough zeros in the world. But back then, I was like, all right, you know, this is another stupid asshole I got to work for. Right. You know. it's a lot of stupid assholes in the world. <laughs> there are. There are. That's why, that's why playing the music is all, all that much better. It makes it even nicer when I get to do it. So let's talk about your rock and roll job. Sure. I got one. How many bands that you've been in or played in or guested on do you think we can list right now? Well, that, that thing on Facebook was going around because uh, JT... JT uh, from the Arrogant Sons of Bitches like reposted something on it with like name 30 bands you were in. So I think 31 or 30. Let's see if we can start naming some and uh, note whether they're ska or not. Mm hmm. All right. Well, Jeff's band, I guess, would definitely be at least considered ska adjacent, right? Yeah. Is it officially called Death Rosenstock? Jeff doesn't. He, it's called Death Rosenstock when it's a band. Okay. But I think you can't call it death rose and just for like confusion <laughs> he doesn't call it that for like the, the the name name but i don't think he likes i don't i don't think he particularly likes the fact that it's called his name like i know he gets embarrassed about that kind of stuff but at this point he just didn't know what the hell to call it 
So he's like, it's my band, you know, but now he has a, you know, I don't, I don't know if he knew it was going to become what it became. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, that's not true. I know he didn't think it was going to become what it became. I think, I think every time he starts a new band, he just thinks it's going to be him and his, you know, in his, uh, in his room releasing music into the ether and no one's going to notice it. And that's never what happens, obviously. Um, but uh, I think he thought this too. So he's like, I'll just call it my name. And then now it's a band with five people that are, you know, always there. And he feels weird calling it, you know, his name when it could be, you know, where he feels the same that it should be Dan's name or Kevin's name or Mike's name. So that's, he picked Death, Rose and Suck. It's easy. It almost, if you replace a couple letters and you're there. Yeah. Right. But that's what it's supposed to say on all the live posters, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah. Is that a good answer? Yes. Uh, <laughs> so that one's definitely ska, Jason. Bomb music industry definitely had some ska. ASOB, Arrogant Sons of Bitches, definitely ska. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, Nix86. That's a band on Long Island I was in that was ska. My first band where I met Jeff, Nothing Rhymes with Orange. That was a ska band. Similar, what's that show? Parks and Rec, right? That was one of his bands, right? Was Jeff Houseboat? Yeah. House, houseboat. So was it? Was Jeff wasn't in Nothing Rhymes with Orange, was he? He was. That's how I met him. Oh, okay. He was. Okay. He was. He was the bass player. What did you play? I was the guitar player. How the tables have turned. Yes, they have turned. <laughs> I was. A, I was the guitar player at the beginning of Bomb the Music Industry too. Oh, really? I was the very first, like maybe not very first, like for the first few years. When that was a band, I played guitar. And then eventually, like all bass players, I think they just were guitar players and just no one else would do it. So I drew the short straw and now I play the bass and I have nothing I, I, and I can't get out of it. It's the heavy instrument. It hurts my shoulder, but here I am. And in ASOB, you played drums, right? I played everything. I played drums on the first record. I played guitar on the second record. And then towards the end, I was the bass player. For the live, did you play everything as, as a live outfit too? Uh, I've played shows as all three of those. And when they did those reunion shows in like 2014, I think it was, or 2012, I just kind of stood in the back and I played like I did. I was like the Dan P like I played guitar and I played keyboard and I played bells and I played melodica and I shouted into a megaphone. <laughs> I did all <laughs> sorts of junk because <laughs> they wanted that. You know, they had a band like Bovi was the bass player and Sean was the guitar player um, and they wanted that band to be the one that played. But there was, you know, like any Jeff project, there's still 33 instruments unaccounted for with just the prop, you know, the proper members of the band. So I kind of just stood in the back and tried to fill in the blanks as best I could. All right. What else we got? Other bands doesn't have to be ska. Just, just note whether they're ska or not. Um, I'm trying to think, let's see what other bands was I played. Well, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not usually in bands. I usually just play for a band. That's fine. You can count those. Okay. Like warriors, definitely not ska. Um, chumped, not ska. Uh, Oceanator, not ska. Um, I really hit my list. There was a there was a band I was in in college called the Swindlers. Extremely not ska. That was with all the college professors and me. That was that was an an easy A. That was a good move. What you started? You joined a band with the professors in college. They had a they had a band, and then I was in the band, and 
I became uh, the darling of our department. Oh, yeah. I was just in their band. I was like, this is easy. Why wouldn't everyone do this? This is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it was a cool band. It was like a rockabilly band. Um, it was fun. And that's like what I was like really into in, in college because it just had like a lot of guitar. I was I was mostly a guitar player in college. Um, I, hadn't, I hadn't completely crossed over to the dark side yet. So I was really stoked to be in a band where I just got to like play as many notes as fast as possible, which, you know, eventually ended up just being kind of how the ska and bass goes. Anywho. So, you know, kind of kind of suited me well there as well. What else is there? Let's see what other bands and bands and bands. There's so uh, I was in JT's band. I was in Sprout for sure. That was mm-hmm. I guess they did they play ska. I don't think they did. I I thought they had some ska. Yeah. Did they? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Well, they were on that Scott. Oh, yeah, they were on the Scott comp. Sure. The Long Island Scott of uh, volume one. Yeah. There you go. That's right. Now they, so then they, they count. That's a Scott band right there. Um, let's see. What else? Now, of course, I should have pulled up that Facebook link and then I would have just been able to tell you. There's a band I was in, in, in uh, when I graduated high school called Plan B. Terrible name. Uh, that was like f- definitely like fish adjacent. Mm. So that so I had that. <laughs> I got that out of my system. I was in a band in college called the Gimme Five, which had no guitar players and two bass players, and I played drums. <laughs> no, no. Well, and there was ska. There was one part that was one song had a ska part. Wow. It, I, I guess you could call it that. We definitely need to hear this ska song uh, with one drum, two basses. Uh, I, I wonder if I could find it. Maybe it might be on my computer somewhere. Um, or maybe I just played like a ska beat. And it was like over like it was pretty mathy. Um, one one of the bass players was a real was a real shredder. Did some math stuff, and it was it was a you know the guy Matt Kurz. Remember him? You ever heard, you ever mm-hmm. talked to that cat? He was the singer, and he would tap dance. There would be tap dancing solos. It was this man was fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> it was like it was it was clearly like the band you start in college, right? You're like no guitars, two bass players. And we're going to have the singer tapped it, you know, just weird shit. Like, what's the weirdest thing we could do? You know, that's the band you start when you're in up, you know, uh, state school in upstate New York. When it's, you know, it gets so cold outside, you're not allowed to leave your room because you'll die. The tap dance thing, though, maybe my recommendation would be no drums, two basses, and then the tap would be the drums. Well, that's yeah. that band. Like, was it Tilly in the Wall? Mm. They did that. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Just putting that out there but i think we did it before them so maybe maybe someone owes us some money for 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 a stellar idea that was not at all realized or performed well (laughs) (laughs) let's see did you did you play with uh, shinobu at all yeah i did i played i played drums on one tour oh you did okay yeah Yeah, i did a tour on with them on drums um i play oh bruce lee band i played bass in that for a few tours that's definitely ska yeah, I do think I remember. You, did you play the when they, it was at bottom of the hill when they were doing like Skank and Pickle songs with the Jer- Jerry and Lars? Yeah. yeah, no Lars, but yes, Jerry. Okay, yeah, I remember yeah, that. Yeah, the, the horns, the horns were that was yeah, that was last minute too. It was like Jeff's like, I can't play bass because someone's not coming, so I'm gonna play saxophone, and you'll play bass. And I was like, oh, okay. And I got to go to Japan and Korea. And then also play at the bottom of the hill. And that was cool. And now I can never give Mike Park shit for anything because he took me to Japan and Korea. So now I'm in his debt for the rest of my life. Mm, yeah. <laughs> That's it. 
I'm, he's got me. He's got me for for eternity now. He he uh, he made he made one of my dreams come true. I always wanted to go to Japan, and he made it happen. Does he bring it up to you? He just. I mean, he he gives you enough shit with, for everything. So it's one of the many things I'm sure he holds over my. It's brain. on his. It's on his list of things to give you shit about. Yeah, you know. What else does Mike Park give you shit about? Everything. He's just. He's he's name just it. A big, he's just a big old bully, baby. <laughs> uh, but we all we all let him slide because he, you know, he's uh, such a important force in our lives yeah you know at the end of the day you know i mean obviously you know where, where would half of us be without him maybe probably three quarters he's a very he's varying degree of bully to each person depending on i don't know what these factors are but he definitely i'm definitely high in the list of people he bullies yep um you're pretty high you think um Nah, I mean, when I see him, sure. You mm-hmm. know, he always like he's always he's always telling me he doesn't like the way my pants look on my suits. I see him a lot at weddings now. It's like that's not how your pants should look. I'm like I, that, they look like everyone else's pants, man. I don't know what you're talking about. They're just <laughs> pants. What are you talking about? I think he, I think he, I think he does it because I know that um, you know, we're playing around. I think I think he yeah. likes to do a little little light light ribbing, and you know, I like, and I'll give it right back to him. So we have a nice time. Uh, he gives he gives me shit about that. Um, he just wants, he just, he just always wants to know about stuff too. He's like, he's like, who was bad today? He's like, who was bad today? He wants to know who the bad member of your band is always. Yes. I remember it was one of the first things like he asked me, I remember he's like, who's, so who's like the worst one of you guys? <laughs> like, I just met you. He's like, so who's like the one that's late all the time? I was like, what, why don't you want to know anything else, sir? Famous man that I'm just meeting for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> it was very funny but you know we uh me and him and jeff shared a room in korea and i got to really get to know him in a very funny way mm-hmm. very very silly man he's a very very funny silly man yeah. love, love him to death even though he's a big bully yeah he needs to be put in place i got to know mike at, um i first met him when i was in high school so i think that sort of sets the stage even though oh, wow. even though i'm in my 40s now yeah, you're still just a goofy kid in high school to him. Yeah, the first impression, man, that, that gets you. I feel like he is definitely one of those cats that doesn't let that go. Nope. Eh. Well, that's him. That's our, 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 that's our loving leader. Do, uh, dollar signs? No, never in that band. Okay, this is on Discogs, by the way. I'm on, so it says I'm in dollar So, Oh! I uh, I sang on one of their songs. Oh, okay. There you go. I remember. I remember that now. Me and Jeff's say they like brought a like a remember M boxes. Yes, it's the little like interface to to yeah. Okay. I think they brought like an M box to to a uh, to like maybe one of the first Jeff shows in like North Carolina, and we like sang backup vocals like in a booth in the back of a venue. So I don't know if you can count. I wouldn't count that. I only count bands that I play like a proper show with. Okay. Well, Discogs counts it. Well, <laughs> this guy, I mean, okay. I, I'm like on Wikipedia. I am 100% noted at, or I used to be noted as a member of every time I die. So the internet is definitely <laughs> sometimes wrong. Shockingly. I remember reading that. I was like, this, how is this here? How could this be? How could this? This can't be real. But it was for a while. I was like member of every time I die. And then I left for creative reasons. <laughs> <laughs> what were the creative reasons? 
who could tell? I don't know. That band, their last record fucking ruled. I wouldn't have left that. They were cool. They were they were cool. They were always cool, I thought. I wouldn't have left that band. I would have been stoked to have been in it. But it never happened. So you played on the Inevitables record? Oh yeah. Gee, I can't even remember, man. There's so many. The the COVID really just a lot of a lot of things happened. Yes, I'm a member of the Inevitables as well. I just saw Obi. Jesus. I just saw him in uh, in Niagara. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he came to the Niagara show that we played with the Gaslight Anthem. It was good to see him. Yes, Inevitables. I forgot. Oh, jeez, I'm going to get in trouble for that. Uh, <laughs> yes, I'm, uh, I, was, uh, I was asked to be a part of that, and it was super fun and super, uh, super uh, exciting to do. And it was cool to play on a record with all those people that are really, really, really great musicians. And uh, it was a, an awesome thing to keep me sane during COVID which was also super helpful. So yes, I def- I definitely did that. Maybe one day that band will play a show. Who knows? Did you, it lists you with the fad also. Did you play with the fad at all? Oh yeah. 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 I, uh, I was the guitar player at the, you know, whatever, you know, would they broke up or they're not broken, whatever that period of time is. So if they were to play a show tomorrow, I would probably be the guitar player. Um, but they would never play. I don't think they're going to play any more shows. They're uh, they're too grumpy. <laughs> <laughs> Rocky Sullivan. Rocky's. Oh, it's Sean's band. Yes. Um, that is definitely a Scott band. Okay. What did you do with Rocky Sullivan? Uh, a lot. Everything. At some point, I did everything. I played drums. The first show I played drums. I've played the bass in that band. I've recorded the bass many, many, many times for that band. Um, he's got an album coming out eventually. It's pretty cool. Um, he's, he's, he definitely graduated from the Jeff school of here's every instrument you can, you know, yeah. you can think of, uh, coming at you. Um, he's, it's coming out soon. Um, and I've when I record guitar for him sometimes too, just to like thicken stuff up. Cause, uh, cause I have a baritone guitar and not a lot of people do. So I'll just throw that on his stuff and be like, now it sounds like metal. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> how, how come you didn't play on Irish dream? Um, I didn't want to <laughs> really the answer. I told him, I said, I, it's basically, I didn't want to do it. Um, I, told, I was like, that's stupid. I don't want to do this. Um, but, uh, I told him, I was like, I'll do it. If you can send me a picture message of you texting Jeff, that it's okay if I do this and you, and he says yes. And then he just said to me, I'll just buy a bass instead. <laughs> and he did have you, have you heard Irish dream, Adam? Uh, I no, I'm I'm aware of it though. <laughs> like anything, I'm just happy my friends had a fun time doing something. Uh, <laughs> you know, they, it's cool. Uh, it, it it's I'm 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 I listened to it one uh, a couple times, and you know, a lot of chords in those songs. I'm shocked <laughs> they figured them all out. Though I think the best part about Irish Dream is that it's not even the full album. It's just like four songs. <laughs> yeah, four songs with like robot drums and so it's so funny. It's so so funny. But uh, you know, it's listen, if it makes him happy. Yeah. He's a real he, Sean's a really talented guy, and I feel like uh it's it's just good that the earth gets some of his like creative music stuff because he's you know, he's a he's a doctor, um, and he doesn't get to do, you know, touring and playing live anymore. So I'm I'm just glad that the earth still gets some of, you know, mm-hmm. yeah lunacy from his brain in some in some fashion because it would be a, it would be a bummer if he couldn't share 
<laughs> that. His uh, Long Island back in the day ska band was premarital sax, right? Yeah, me and Jeff recorded it at a studio. Nice. Like their, some like the, maybe their first album, me and Jeff both worked at this studio um, on the North Shore that was like really into like pro tools and drum replacing and guitar amp farms. And we recorded their record there and we had no idea how to use any of that stuff really. Um, and we made a really uh, weird album for them. I think <laughs> that sounds extremely fake because <laughs> there's no real instrument on it really. They were all removed. <laughs> so they were removed. And what, what were they replaced with? Just well, it was like not like like so the drums get replaced because it like it's like a real quick way to make a like a record back then. Like the drums, you can't you don't spend you know two like when we recorded our album, you know they're sitting there for two hours hitting the snare drum because they're trying to find like the best possible you know, and that's what you have to do. You know that's how you make a record. That's just what it is. It's you know a lot of it's boring, but with this you just hit the snare drum one time, you replace it with you know the snare drum from some you know bad religion record, and you continue on. And that's like what it is. Like, that's how you do it. You know, I mean, they still do that today. Like the thicken up drums, you know, you just put another snare drum, like a, like a perfectly recorded snare drum on top of a, you know, your record. And then it sounds like eight times as thick. Like it's like, you know, it's what all the Paramore and the Green Day records do. They just beef up stuff. There's like, you know, there's real drums and then there's sample drums on top of them. So we just use the sample drums. So it sounded fucking crazy. And this was, you know, 20 years ago when that technology was not there. <laughs> Did it sound like triggers? Yeah, 100%. 1,000, <laughs> 1,000%. 100% wet, zero dry. And then the guitars were all recorded like in the computer on like Amp Farm. That was the first like uh, program that did that stuff, like which is the modern day, like uh, what are the Kemper amps that everyone uses mm-hmm. that are pretty cool. But like this was like where that like technology came from, like Amp Farm, and, you know. And it, uh, you know, it sounded like it sounded. It was cool at the time, but you know, you know, so was uh, you know, toasters when they first came out. Now they're not that exciting. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so you recently, uh, you guys recently opened for Gaslight Anthem on some shows. Um, the New Jersey show was the biggest show you've ever played in your life. It would seem to be yes. It was a very, very big venue. I don't think I'll ever play a show that big again. How many people? When they played, I bet there was over 10,000 people there. There was not 10,000 people when we played. That was another fun thing about playing it, like remembering. You're like, oh, yeah, and you go to these big shows. It's not full when the opener plays. That's right. So you played to a lot of seats that were just seats. But, you know, you like look out and you're like, there's probably three, four, five thousand people looking at us. But they're just all so spaced apart. It looks crazy. You know, Um, but when they played, it was probably well over 10,000 people, which is running away the biggest show I've ever played. Like the biggest show times before this tour would be the biggest show I've ever played times three. Um, and then like, there was a bunch of shows on this tour. It was like, there was 4,000 people, 5,000 people. It was, it was bonkers. That band is famous. They are a famous band. Yeah. It was cool. It was cool to see. Cause they're such wonderful, wonderful people. It was just nice to see, you know, it's nice to see good boys done good, you know? Yeah, definitely. One of the things I thought that was interesting was you were talking about that show and that you had your own personal uh, dressing room. Yes. <laughs> Not given by anyone. I would just, the venues are just so big. You know, the place you played in Boston, like the show before us was like Bruno Mars. So you got to have like probably 20 rooms for all these people. 
So, you know, Gaslight took two or three, you know, they had one for us. So I just walked around until I found one that no one was in. I'm like, this is my dressing room. They're like, what? I'm like, shut up. And I just locked the door. <laughs> and I, where I go tonight. And I would just hang out. I had my own bathroom. I put on, uh, I put on YouTube. I'd watch, like, I like to watch, uh, like, old, like, Nintendo games played really fast. Oh, yeah, speedruns. Yeah, speedruns. I like to watch speedruns before we, before I, in the green room because it's quiet and it's just something to stare at and, and mindless. And I just watched my speedruns and I did my vocal warmups in my, in my bathroom and my, uh, my green room. It was awesome. And I could just find one of those every day. They were always one. <laughs> does that, does that get you in a, in a mental state for a good show? Um, eh, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I think about that too much. I'd feel like, um, I like to know that there's a bathroom before I play. I like to go um, uh, make sure that that's uh, something. I was talking to my friend before one of the Philly shows. Like, do you ever get like stage fright? I'm like, no. Like sometimes, like I'm like, oh man, I gotta pee. I hope this show ends soon. Like that's the most I like get anxious on stage. Mm-hmm. Is like, like ah, uh, I hope we're done playing soon. I really would like to go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever had to stop a show to go to the bathroom? I have not. Um, I have seen members of my band, however, uh, do that. Oh. Uh, Jeff famously, uh, after we, you know, that place Melt in uh, in Cleveland or Ohio, more more uh, specifically, it's like a grilled cheese place. Uh-uh. Okay. So, anyways, there's this place Melt, and you can get like a. It was on what's that show? Um, with the with the guy. Diners, drive-ins, and dives. No, no, no. The food challenge show. Oh, man versus food. Man versus food. It was on like man versus food where, you know, they have, they were one of those places where they give you a grilled cheese with like, you know, 80 slices of bread and 150 slices of cheese, you know, they, but they do like just crazy grilled cheeses. So we all went there before a show and then we were playing at Mr. Smalls in Pittsburgh and like we were, we were playing and then, uh, you know, we stopped a song and Jeff just kind of looked at us and went, guys, I gotta go to the bathroom and this is what's going to happen. So you, so we just stood up there and we jammed. We did some we did some ska. Uh, I think Laura Stevenson came on stage and danced. Um, dog Dog Party was there too. They also did some dancing. And uh, Jeff went to the bathroom while we played our our ska, and then he came back and and we continued on with the show. <laughs> it was crazy. It was very funny. Some whoever was there at that show saw a very interesting thing. I guess you know if the lead singer has to go to the bathroom, that's probably the best situation because the band can still play. But if you like, you lose your drummer to bathroom break you yeah. know then what do you do it's a little different well i would just play the drums yeah, okay, that, that's what we, i would just throw it out. well what is it i think we were saying we were saying the other day like little nas x like stop their show to like go to the bathroom and remember being like good we should normalize this we should normalize bands need to take a bathroom break sometimes yeah because i go to the bathroom when i watch a band so why does yeah, the band get yeah. to do it yeah i um uh my old roommate was a big uh what's that one direction fan you're familiar with this band with yes. the Harry Styles, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in there, sh- and I was watching like a live concert with her. She, this is like a grown woman. I wasn't living with like a child. Uh, <laughs> just, I feel like I should preface that. Um, but uh, we were watching a show, and like in the middle of their show, they just like all go to a porta potty backstage, and they just like all use the bathroom in the middle of their an hour whatever performance. It's like, and it's like on the jumbotron too. Like not, you can't see them going to the bathroom. You see them all waiting in line to use it. It's like, look at this. See, like this is, this is how, you know, you made it. You got these people watching you wait to use the bathroom. Yeah. Like, wow. That's, that's now that's flying first class, baby. (laughs) (laughs) 
So uh, I think it was last year, you, or might have been earlier this year, the Jeff Rosenstock band, you guys are in the UK, and uh, I believe you, Mike Huguenor, and Dan Pothas all got COVID. Oh, yeah. Um, and But not at the same time. Well, Dan and Mike did. So Dan and Mike, they were the first ones that got it, right? Mm-hmm. And so do you remember where they where you guys were? Sure. We were in uh we were at like an hour outside of this town called Darlington, which is nowhere. Okay. So they got stuck in a hotel on an hour outside of Darlington at a truck stop and all they had for like a week to eat was KFC and a gas station. And they went crazy. <laughs> did they get to share a room or did they have to separate? They separated. Okay. But, you know, they got to hang out with each other. Like, they both got their own rooms, but then they would, you know, they would hang out together and and not go crazy together. Okay. So they weren't alone. But there was one person that was had to isolate alone. And that was me. Yeah. So you got it, what, the next day or when did you get it? I think I got it two or three days later. Okay. So um, so before you before you got it, the band is now you, Kevin, and Jeff, right? Yeah. Okay. So, so Jeff's playing guitar then. So it's just mm-hmm. stripped down. How, how does the how did the set sound as a three piece? Not as good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> not as good. Arguably, um, we you know we we've done that tour or th- those shows like that before. Like there was a big festival we played in Brooklyn uh, a few years ago. Where um, before, like we were, we just, we were like, the band is always the five of us. Like we wouldn't do that on, we wouldn't do that now. Like if, if Dan and Mike couldn't make a show, we'd just, you know, we wouldn't be like, oh, we'll just do it. The three of us, unless some, it was a crazy reason. But, um, you, we used to play as a trio a lot, like on the Mobo tour, like Dan wasn't even in the band yet. And Mike was still doing hard girls. So like they were lots of that where it was just the three of us. The very first tour we did with AJJ started with the three of us. And then Mike, I think met us halfway through. And we finished as a four piece. So it, you know, it happens. It used to happen. So we were familiar with it. You know, I think, uh, you know, I think with anything, we just gave Jeff another amp and, you know, the, the, the death rose and stock way. We just played everything a little faster just to confuse people. And uh, I think that's what it was. We, we mostly played the set. I don't think there was a ton of songs we couldn't do anymore. Um, cause you know, I think, yeah, I think we it was basically the same set. Maybe one or two songs were taken out. But, you know, it's not as good. It was a bummer. We didn't like doing it, obviously. But you got to, you know, we were lucky that we could keep doing it. You know, you know, we were lucky that even when I got sick, they figured it out. And we didn't have to cancel any of those, any of those shows. Because, one, you know, people make plans and they should be able to, you know, they don't want to change them around. And, two, you know, you know, it's uh, the the truth it's all would have been a ton of money we lost if we couldn't play those shows so sure yeah so where did you get COVID at i ended up getting COVID the day of the london show the biggest the biggest of the shows. so you got to quarantine in london yeah i just i just went to the airport and stayed at a, a hotel at the airport uh so i didn't have luckily i didn't have to like dan and mike had to like get on a train and take a train for three hours i didn't have to do that i just you know once, once it was time to go, I just got on my, I just went on, I just walked across the street basically and went home. What was your quarantine like? It was a real small hotel room with a TV that was smaller than the computer monitor I'm looking at right now. And I just ate a lot of uh, soup 
And I just sat in this room. I what, what did I watch? I watched something awful. Like, oh no, actually no, it's not true. I watched Top Gear a lot. I watched a lot of Top Gear. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, that's I felt like that's like what you watch when you're stuck in England. Um, it was boring. It was really big bummer. I was super bummed. I was really sad. Um, uh, I missed them doing that sh- song with uh, you know, the McCluskey song. I would, I would, I'm gonna take that to my grave as one of the, you know, three biggest disappointments of my life that I didn't get to play a McCluskey song with the singer of McCluskey. Um, that happened the next day, not in London, the next show. I forget where that was. Maybe Bristol. Um, it was a bummer, but you know, I mean, at the end of the day, we played all the shows or the band played all the shows and no one really got sick. I was sick. I felt bad for like eight hours. Mm -hmm. And then I was kind of just like, I felt like I had a cold. So, you know, all in all, it could have obviously been worse, but it was it was sad. It was just really sad. What was? What? I just felt really bad for Jeff and Kevin too, because like when I like tested positive, like you know Jeff Jeff is really good at like Jeff's really good in a crisis, so he had like his war face on, but Kevin was just like so sad. You could just see he was just like he's like oh, he's like all oh, my friends are leaving. <laughs> it, was, it was such a, like I've really felt bad for I mean felt bad for all of them but like Kevin was really wearing it on his face where Jeff and Christine were like we will figure this out like you know they were obviously bum but like you know they go into they go into war mode and they just make it happen. So we had a good team luckily. What what did they do? I can't remember. Did they get other musicians at that point? Luckily the Mikey or oh no Lou's band it was all the way Lou which is uh Lou and Mikey um and Alex um uh who were like the three best musicians on earth um just played bass on I just sent them all uh like this is you know I just wrote out like three songs for them and I said learn these three songs you know each of you learn three songs and they all learned some songs and they just played bass um, the three of them, and then other people on the tour too, like picked up some bass. Like, um, uh, I forget what songs they played, but like, so like they had like 10, 10 or eleven songs with bass, and then you know Jeff would play a couple songs acoustic, and then Jeff and Kevin would play a couple songs just like drum and bass. It looked really cool. Like I saw a video of the London shows. Like this show's as good as our show. <laughs> like this is like a very like interesting way to like present this band to people like it was a cool mm-hmm. the show had a really cool flow it started with just jeff and then kevin came it was like you know stop making sense then kevin came out and then you know like uh someone would come out they play a couple songs and the next person would come out they play a couple songs and like, you know it was it was cool it was like this this is they did such a good job without the three of us like it was very impressive mm-hmm. like i if you saw those shows i couldn't imagine you being like you know feeling like you were robbed yeah, you know, of the rest of the band being there, which is not a great thing to say is for, you know, job security, I guess. Yeah. But uh, luckily you got your job back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, luckily I did. I, you know, I would I we I always thought that that would be a tough one to fill. The ba- the bass in that band is is tricky. When we were on a November tour, I was sure positive I had covid before we were going into Canada. I knew it. And but I was taking tests and it, they kept coming back negative. And uh, but Rick was like our, our, our sound guy, who's the, who was the bass player for mustard plug. And I was like, you're going to have to play bass tomorrow, man. Like, cause when we were, we were going to the airport and they have to like that before you get into Canada, before you could get into Canada, you'd take like, you know, one of the big PCR tests. It's like, there's no way this is coming back negative. There's no way you're going to have to be the bass player, bud. And he was terrified and he's really good. Um, but I was, you know, some, I, I just had, you know, 
Remember that people get sick other besides COVID. <laughs> There's I other forgot. diseases. I just, I just had, you know, I just, I just had like the flu or something, or I just had like a really bad cold. I, I think it was just like my body was just mad at me for going on tour again <laughs> after two years. Yeah. Like that, that tour was really hard. Like my back was super fucked up. I was wearing a back brace and like knee pads. Like I, like my body was like, what are you doing? You wouldn't, you don't do this anymore. Stop it. Oh, you got to get one of those goofy ergonomic, uh, base straps. I'm going to have, no, <laughs> thankful. I didn't know what I ha- was going to have to do. Cause like after that tour, like I went to the doctor and I was like, Hey man, we got to figure some shit out here. I can't do this. And then I, I think it was just, you know, I just I think I just have to shake the rust loose because we've done a few tours right. since then. I feel fine. But um, yeah, that was crazy, though, coming back, you know, playing those first few shows like that tour and that show we did at uh, Garden Grove in L.A., like where we hadn't played a show in like three years. Like I remember like the first song, I remember just like looking at like looking over at the band and I was like, I can't do this anymore. This is <laughs> I don't know how to do this. This is like I'm not gonna make it through this set. I might die up here. Like Mark Sandman <laughs> dying on stage. Yeah. I went through like the, you know, all the signs, all like the stages of death on stage that night. Like acceptance, <laughs> grief, anger. I was like, it was crazy. But you know, we figured it I figured it out. It was it was it was wild though to, you know, to take such a big break and then come back and like, oh God, I forgot how to do this. Yeah, you like miss touring so bad, and then you're like, "Oh my god, this is like hard on my body." Yeah, 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 for sure. Like, it's a thing that you really, you know, need to do a lot to get used to it. You can't stop. Yeah, <laughs> and I also had like forgotten every song too by that point. Like, I had to like remember all the songs, and I was like, "Holy shit!" Like, there's like 80 songs, and I just don't remember how to play anymore. Like, where did they all go? So there was, there was many, many weeks of me just sitting in my basement, just screaming, being like, what the fuck? What? You know, what? that's literally you you're listening to. You knew this at some point. Where is it? Let's talk about the, um, the infamous uh, hand-cutting Bomb the Music oh. Industry uh, incident. Of course. Okay. This is in the Bomb the Music Industry uh, documentary, but walk us through what happened. Well, that bottle actually was, I think that's karma because I technically stole that bottle of wine. So who'd you steal it from? Like a CVS. You took that from a CVS? Well, <laughs> sort of, sort of. <laughs> so we were in the CVS and we wanted to buy the wine and the, and the kid, see, this doesn't make me sound very good. The kid was like, sir, it's like, it's well past the time you can buy alcohol here. <laughs> which I didn't want to hear. So I just like took two bottles of wine and put like $40 on the box that the wine was, oh. I was like, I paid for it. I'm leaving now. Um, so I didn't technically steal it, but I shouldn't have, you know, I don't know what that's called, whatever that is being an asshole. Um, <laughs> we'll just call it that. So that wine was at, you know, whatever. And then uh, we played, I, I, the documentary brought back a lot of, cause I don't remember I didn't remember that night really that well. And then I watched a documentary I'm like, oh, we were drunk. We were super, super fucking drunk. And I kind of remember that, you know, that now that I saw it. And then I was, and I, and who was it? Mike, Mike Costa told me that he, <clears throat> he, he saw on, on the YouTube that you could open a bottle with a shoe because we didn't have a, we didn't have a wine opener. And, um, the, the problem had arose like a couple days before, uh, with another bottle the other bottle that I took that we couldn't open it. Like we were just sitting at someone's house and then finally someone found something, but that he put that idea in my head 
And then I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do, I'm going to open up this bottle of wine. And we had Sarah with us who was filming everything, of course. And it, you know, I was almost sure it was going to work and it probably would have worked, but I got too excited and I think shattered right in my hand. I didn't even feel anything. I was like, oh, okay. It just broke. And, I, and it was red. So I thought it was just wine. And then I was like, oh no, no, no. You have a fucking hole in your hand. You idiot. How, how's it supposed <laughs> to work? You put the wine in a, like a shoe and then you put the wine in a shoe and then you just hit it against like a wall. And the cork will come out, but you have to like not have the bottle explode. (laughs) (laughs) Like there's, there's a way to do it. I, I won't try again, you know, fool me once. It definitely feels like when you're watching the documentary that, you know, you, the audience know it's going to go bad because it doesn't sound like you have a good plan in place. No, it was a bad plan. Very drunk. I'm an idiot. (laughs) Um, there's, there's two problems right there. And I wasn't using a wall. I, I don't think the crock was the point of failure. I think the crock would have been fine if I was just hitting it against something solid, but the pole was hollow. So the wine bottle gave out before the pole, you know, before the pole did its job, but the cork was coming out. I remember that because mm-hmm. I see, even on the thing I say, I'm like, it's coming, it's working. It's like, it was working, you know, but it never did completely work. And then how, how bad was the wound? It was bad. I mean, you can, I, I can still see it right now on my hand. Um, but you know, it's just on your hand, so you don't really notice. But it, yeah, my hand was cut open. Like if I had health insurance, I would have got stitches, but I didn't. So I just, you know, we just, you know, band-aided it close and we just moved on with our lives and I just made sure to keep it clean. But, uh, you know, it wasn't, you know, luckily I was one really drunk when it happened and then I was very <laughs> scared. So I don't think uh, I was scared that I was that I, that that everyone was going to be mad at me once I realized what happened. I was like, oh, shit, can I play now? Yeah. Did you miss any shows? No, no, never, never. Wow. We would never. We would, if I, I, I Jeff would have made me play if I lost an arm. <laughs> <laughs> now, did, did you use actual band-aid? Did you use like duct tape and super glue? No, no, no. It's Tom duct taped it together because he was being <laughs> funny. Um, and then when we got to like someone's house, they, we like got band-aids and new skin and like, we like went to CVS and we, he was real mad at me. I remember Jeff being like, let's go to CVS so we can clean out your stupid wound. You idiot. (laughs) Um, he was mad. Uh, but, um, you know, we got real stuff and we cleaned it out and it hurt a whole bunch. And I think that's at the end of the documentary, me like wincing and screaming because, you know, we're putting new skin like into a hole in my hand. Um, someone made painted me a picture of my. I'm looking at it right now, actually. Someone like sent me like a picture of um uh, me holding up my bloody hand. <laughs> I have that like on my wall, like like in my like office studio. It's very funny. I was like, this is a this is what a lovely and funny gift someone has made for me. Yeah. I've seen you know posts and little like dumb memes, you know, using it. It's so it's become like a joke uh, within the camp. Uh, was it, when did it become funny? Did it become funny a couple days later or did it take a uh, serious time before it became funny? I thought it was funny pretty quickly, but I didn't want to, you know, like it was, it was funny to me even when I was scared. It was like, uh, it, it was, it was, it was funny once I realized I could keep playing Yeah, and that Jeff wouldn't be mad at me. So that was funny. Like it was, it was immediately like a funny thing. Like I was like, I'm an idiot. This is what I deserve. I'm a stupid person and stupid things happen to stupid people. Um, 
And uh, so I, I thought it was pretty funny right away. So when I see that, I'd laugh. I always laugh at it and go, well, you're an idiot. That's what you get. Dumb, dumb. <laughs> like, what the fuck did you think was going to happen? You know, don't do shit like that. And I try to remember that when I'm on tour. I'm like, well, you know, you're in this box and you can't, you got to keep going no matter what happens. So try not to injure yourself too much, you know, because you're going to have to figure it out. Which is why the COVID thing was so weird because like, you know, normally we would have, I would have played feeling like that. Like I've played shows feeling a hundred times worse than I felt at the very, at the, at the worst of when I had COVID. Mm -hmm. But, um, so it was just, it was just a really weird feeling to like not go play that day. Like, cause I know I could like physically do it. Like I could get through the show. So, but like, obviously you don't cause you're not going to be a fucking monster. Right. But, um, uh, that's not what you do. Yeah, it that is the weird thing because like bands have for for decades have like been on tour, got sick, and powered through it. But it's like a different situation. It's about like not spreading it more than not being sick. Yeah, yeah. So you don't want to give it to everyone else, obviously. And like you know, I we of course understand that, but it's just such a funny thing that's like burnt into your brain. It's like you play no matter what. Like yeah. we, like we've never canceled a show ever. Yeah, um, you know we've you know, we've missed a couple, but, uh, for stupid reasons, but like, we've never been like, you know, we're too sick to play. And, and that's not to say that that can't happen. Right. Like I know lots of friends of mine have, have like had, uh, situations where their singers lost their voice and there's like, we're just not going to do it. Cause we can't We like literally can't make sound today. And there's no shame in that. I'm not saying there's shame in that, but it's like, you know, if, you know, we've had, you've all had shows where we've had the flu or just felt terrible and we've got through it. So it was just, it was just a really weird, like, feeling just be like i know i can go today but you're you know but i'm not going to obviously because i don't want to be a bio spreading monster uh it's, it's just it's just not what you you know it's very against what you what i've been doing for the last 20 years yeah at one time um back in the 90s when my band was touring uh, our sax player got like drunk in like el paso and then woke up just feeling really bad like really hung over and then we had to drive all the way to San Antonio while he felt like shit. And we had to pull over so he can vomit. And then we played that night in San Antonio and he played and would occasionally have to leave the stage to throw up mid set. <laughs> yeah. Well, hangovers are different. That's your fault. Sure. Yeah. I'm just saying like, you know, I mean, there's definitely a scenario where we could have been like, okay, well, you know, this, we don't need the sax player, you know, one of three sax players tonight. But <laughs> for some reason, that wasn't an option for us. It was like, no, you have to play, uh, even though you're uh, very sick right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The hangover, that's your problem. Yeah. That's, I always, you know, I, you know, that's, uh, but yeah, that's, if you like, you can go to, you know, you have to go to work when you're hungover. That's the, that's the rule. Yeah. You have to do it. <laughs> Fuck it, because you did this yourself. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's uh, you know, obviously, you know, you could, uh, you know, I always, I definitely uh, used to keep a a garbage pail near me on stage, just just for my own sanity. If I felt weird that day, I've never used it, but I've definitely had it there just to make my brain feel better. Mm -hmm. That just in case, yeah, yeah. Like, all right, it's over there, just just in case, just in case, then something gets weird up here. So in two thousand seven, uh, ASUB played. Uh, one of the like final shows. I know there was a whole series of final shows in uh, like Punk News wrote about it and said that you guys ended with an extended version of That's What Friends Are For 
and the sound guy yelled at you, and then you drunkenly fell off the stage. Oh. And he- yeah, that was on my birthday. <laughs> and that was at a venue I worked at, and everyone just got me super hella drunk. They gave me a birthday cake on stage. Those last shows sucked. They were not done right. Mm-hmm. Like, that last show was way too much, like, way too weird. I felt like it was way too much a birthday party for me. <laughs> and not enough, like, the last show of this band. It And, you know, like... Because it was at the venue that like I worked at, like it just it just had a real real wrong vibe. You know, it was just kinda like, you know, this is John's birthday party. And then also the band that, you know, he's been in with his friends for however many long is breaking up. It just it was like it it, it and I and I know everyone else felt that. Like it's just it was it was you know, looking back on it, I would have definitely not wanted it to be there. It definitely was like a selfish thing. I mean, I didn't ask for the show to be there, but I definitely think I made that day a little too much about me mm-hmm. when it certainly shouldn't have been. Um, that's, you know, growing up, right. You can look back on that and see problems. Uh, yeah. I'm doing a good job, but no, it was, it was a stupid, it was, it was a silly show. Um, that's what happened. I, um, I did not, uh, I'm glad that the other shows, <laughs> the reunion last shows went a lot better than that. <laughs> yeah. It seems like, uh, yeah, it seemed like ASOB. Were you, were you in the band when, uh, they they announced their breakup at Stockton. Yes, no, but I was there. Okay, so you were with the band. I was I was there. I was uh, I had just um, broken up with my girlfriend, who I thought I was going to marry at the time, and I had like an extension, like an existential crisis. And I like called up Jeff. I was like, "Where are you?" And he's like, "We're in Denver." I'm like, "I'm coming out." He's like, "Okay." <laughs> so I like flew out to Denver and I met them and I just like hung out with them on tour for like a week or so. And I watched them like break up basically over like the next week and a half. Like, yeah, yeah, it was pretty, pretty gnarly. Like I watched like, you know, I watched them like just have the final disagreements and I kind of, you know, watched Jeff start to like see everything he hated about what was breaking up that band. And then like from that, like kind of, create what the beginning of bomb would be with the like you know which was uh it's like a a, a giant overcorrection. yeah um you know but you know it's like well we'll never make any money we won't sell anything and you know we'll send we'll give you a receipt for gas and you just have to pay us that you know like it was an extreme like well what if we did everything opposite and you know you know like any good idea you take it and you kind of tweak it and it becomes what it becomes but yeah, I was I was definitely I was there. I watched I watched the, you know, them all <laughs> get get drunk and yell at each other and then kind of all like walk out of the van and go in like six separate directions. It's like this is not working. Yeah. <laughs> These guys are in trouble. <laughs> Cuz a lot of the d- disagreement had to do with like like some of the members really wanting to go hard on the merchandise and really thinking about money, right? Well, you know, and you can't blame them. Yeah, that's uh, kind of what that's what bands did and do. Yeah. You know, you couldn't blame them. That's what bands did and do. And, you know, like Dave specifically, you know, was kind of in charge of that. Like, he's like, you know, we need to sell these t-shirts to get to the next show or we're going to have to put our own money into this thing, you know? So he wasn't wrong, but I think he was, you know, he wasn't letting himself have the time he deserved, you know, a good time that he earned, you know, he had been that band for a long time. Like he should have been able to like go out and like see these news because we had never been to the West Coast before. 
So he should have been able to like go out there and like, you know, put, put his foot in the water and like go to the space needle or whatever. And then the other side of it was Jeff, who just didn't want to do any of that, you know? So like there was, you know, it, like there was like a, a grown up solution where like everyone kind of does everything and you still get to have fun and you still set up the merch table, which, you know, that band was unable to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so they were all wrong and all right at the same time, you know, but you know, I mean, that's, that's kind of like, you kind of, that's kind of where Jeff, you know, kind of, you know, he's always kind of been that way. He doesn't like thinking of the band as like a store. You know, like he doesn't like that we have to sell things, but that's what we have to do. Mm-hmm. It's how it goes. You know, you have to make, you have to make the t-shirts and you have to sell the records, but you know, that's why our records are still free, right? They're still on the internet and you can still get them if you don't want to, you can just get download everything for free if you want to. It's still there, even with the new stuff. Yeah. So, you know, that's like, you know, part, you know, all that stuff is all, all, all that stuff is still apparent in what we do today. Yeah. You can go to iTunes and download your records or you can just go to Jeff's site and download them for free. Yeah. And I think it sounds better on our site. I don't know if iTunes lets you download like the actual, <laughs> like law, lo- uh, lossless versions. I think we, I think he, you can on ours, but I don't know. Yeah, there's you probably should never download our record from iTunes. That always confuses me. It's like it's right if you're just gonna do that, just just send us five dollars and then download it from us. It's the same thing. Yeah, and then you don't have you're not sending, you know, Steve Jobs money. The um so the the show so uh, was at um, Blackwater Cafe, I believe. Remember that venue, Adam? Yes. Okay, we 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 have played at this venue with uh, Greg Ginn of uh, Black Flag. Oh. He 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 um <laughs> he set up for two and a half hours. There was a two and a half hour changeover, John, at the Blackwater Cafe. He, That's not acceptable. He called he called Apple Apple Care because he couldn't get his <laughs> his laptop to do something. And then when the music started, it was the most like <laughs> mediocre, canned, jammy, like but also punishing computer rock. Oh, so punishing. So it's it was just him. It was called uh, Griggin and the Royal We, the Royal We, and it was like a stack of amps behind him and like a computer. <laughs> that sounds bad. Oh, sounds you know, very bad. the whole crowd waited the two and a half hours out. They they waited, and then within fifteen minutes, like a majority of them left. That's tough too, because if you're gonna wait two and a half hours for something. I can't imagine what it would have to be to be like, this was worth it. Like, like you'd have to bring someone back to life on stage. <laughs> like, I, I can't imagine what, like what, I've been, like what I could, that's why I don't go on roller coasters. It's just like, this is too long. This is just too long. I'm not going to, you know, unless this roller coaster f- murders me and then brings me back to life, <laughs> it's not worth a hundred minutes of my life. It just isn't. So two and it. Yeah. So, uh, it sounds very bad. So Mitta, that's a Mitta, Mitta Goodwin show. Um, of course, Mitta. That's when he was still running for president the first time, probably. Yeah. Um, he, I think he told me that they, they did announce on stage that they'd be breaking up. Do you, do you recall that? I think so. I think so. And then they were great. They played some of the best shows of the tour after that point because they were just so angry with each other. So it was like a little bit of a relief. Yeah. It was a little bit of re- you know, I think they all, they, they, they just were so, you know, they were all, they were, they were really good back then. They were, they've been playing a lot and they were, 
you know, I think, you know, they just, they all really loved each other, but it was just, they just couldn't fucking agree on how to run this thing. And I, and I think a lot of it too was just, you know, eventually what solved all those problems was Jeff finally was like, I'm just going to be in charge. Yeah. And then once he was kind of like, you know, because his idea of like what to do, um, is not sometimes, uh, what you would think to do, like put all your music on the internet for free, kind of counterintuitive. Um, but it's what he does and it works. But, um, so like, you know, he just needed to kind of like, I think that he needed that situation to kind of like be like, no, I'm going to, I know what to do. I'm going to be in charge. And it's, even if it's not right, it's what I want. And that'll be right then. So it was good. It was good for him. And it made, it made bomb better. And it makes this band super easy to be in because we just trust him and we do what he says. And it's, you know, we all agree. It's the way to go. You know, it's not like he's like, you know, a tyrant or anything, but like, you know, he's like, he has the ideas and we go, okay, that sounds cool. And we do it. You know, that band wasn't like that. It was too, you know, it was too democratic and it was too opposing viewpoints. It's like how America works. Nothing happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing works. That band was a really great representation of America. Nothing fucking gets done. <laughs> All right. I'm going to, uh, th- we're going to go deep into your memory banks and see if this, um, if, if this goes anywhere, but. I saw a photo on your Instagram, 2017. Mm-hmm. I think it was a live shot. And there was a mm-hmm. caption that said, like some other person, my mood will forever be John's dad dancing. Does this mean anything? I think what that means is John's dad dancing. Like I'm dancing like a dad. Oh, okay. I thought maybe that that your dad had a dance that he did. No, that this was no, like, okay. So, but regrettably, that's not a, not as good as a good a story as you would hope it to be. My father would come see shows, but he wouldn't dance or anything. Jeff's dad comes to she shows and he's like the life of the party sometimes. Oh yeah. Like I remember we played at like, what's that place in the city? Bowery? No, uh, the other one, uh, Webster hall. I remember like <laughs> one of my friends like, oh yeah, Jeff's dad's back here. He's buying everyone drinks. He's talking. Everyone's like, oh yeah, it's my son up there. And, like he's just, you know, you know, talking to everyone, having a nice time. Like everyone's like, Oh, this is Jeff's dad. That rules. <laughs> and I don't even think it was our shows. I think, we're, I think we were opening up for the Menzingers or something, but Jeff's, you know, Jeff's dad was just out there just, you know, hanging out with everyone, hanging out with the fans. It was really funny, <laughs> you know, just having a nice time with everyone. <laughs> but you have a dad dance you do. I think, I don't think it's a dad dance as much as it's just like a terrible dance that a, you know, 40 year old white man does like how, what, what would, you know, I just, awkwardly flail around it's not very you know i guess a dad would you know several dads probably have that dance but it's not like i don't have a tr- signature move ah. so, regrettably regrettably <laughs> yeah, i have no signature. well you know i hold the bass up high i guess that's my move but uh yeah besides that just you know stomping that's not really i don't know if i have you know just i don't know i don't i don't have like a specific dance regrettably <laughs> Got to get you a signature I just, move. I got to get a signature move. I just look like an awkward, weird father up there, I guess. Because apparently, you know, we're old. but it will forever we're be my mood. People. Well, <laughs> if someone if someone wants that to be their mood, I wish they I wish them a better mood. But that's <laughs> I guess what they got. I think that was probably my friend Meg. That's she. Yeah. She would. That's something she would say. That was probably the caption that. But yeah, that's life. Okay, so. Um... The Death Rosenstock Thanks Sorry album, mm-hmm. uh, KKK Highway. Now, did mm-hmm. did you you hopped on the drums for that? 
Yes. Ah. I mean, obviously you knew it, but Kevin didn't. Is that why? The amount of music that Kevin doesn't know is shocking. <laughs> <laughs> like he's running away the best drummer that I'll ever play with. That we'll we'll just preface this before that. Like I've ne- I didn't know you could play the drums that well. Yeah. Um. When I met him, I was like, "This is like because I never met him before. We made we recorded We Cool, and I, what Jeff thinks is a good drummer is not what I think is a good drummer. Almost always, as to be fair, I play the drums and he doesn't. So like I have a different uh thought of what good drumming is than him. So him and he was like, oh, I got this guy, Kevin, who recorded the Bruce Lee uh, record. He's going to play drums on our record. He's awesome. I was like, this guy's going to be a fucking nightmare. Um, <laughs> but, that's you know, I just like what he likes is just a, or, or it's not even that's going to be a nightmare. So it's, it's just going to be it's just going to be different than what I'm used to because Costa was is great. Great drummer. Uh, Tim, who was the drummer who, when we were playing things, is a, is a great drummer, too. Um, but I just I, well, I was worried. I was I was fearful. Uh, and then I met Kevin. I was like, holy shit, like this guy's incredible. But like he didn't know how like he doesn't know how to play like linoleum. He didn't know how to play tub thumping like the songs that like it's shocking. You wouldn't like songs you couldn't have avoided if you tried. He didn't know them. It's like, how do you not know this song? Like, were you at the Asian man? Whatever it was, we're like, uh, maybe it was 15. Um were the first one Jeff played and we were playing the Chumbawamba song and he had to kick Kevin off the drums because he didn't know how it went. Like you probably were there. Like he, he genuinely didn't know how the song went. I was like, you couldn't have avoided this song if you fucking tried, man. How do you not know the song goes? <laughs> so, you know, like, did, yeah, I don't know if he knew how KKK Highway went because the amount of songs, the amount of popular rock and roll songs he doesn't know is shocking. He can play every jazz standard in the world because that's that's what he does. That's when he's, you know, not playing for us or AJJ. He's home playing jazz wow. with like in the in the San Diego jazz scene. That's what he does. That's like what that's that's his passion. And that's like how he make earns. That's like his job. Like where I do corporate AV, he's a jazz drummer, which is significantly cooler than me. Yeah, because I remember him from San. He's from San Jose, which is where I used to live. Yeah. And like he played in like more like. He played in a new metal band, yeah. Yeah, he was in he was in a insolence. Insolence. Yeah, yeah. He was in the ska band, the Whiskey Avengers. Yep. That band is good. Yeah, they're a good band. It's a good band. And the way like I just feel like like I listen to those albums every once in a while. I'm like, this is as good as anything that's on the fucking radio that sounds like this. Like this is just as good as all that. Like it's like why did this band get popular? You know? Yeah. <laughs> like they they were they were a good band. Some of those records are like Super and they sound good. They're good. That was a good band. And then, then um, he would just play in like all of those guys' like side projects too. So he was just like mm-hmm. at like all those gigs in San Jose, which San Jose scene, like there's just struggles to get people to come out. So you'd go see some like weird side band with Kevin in it, and there's like 10 people there, but he's like <laughs> like way better drummer than that situation should call for. Yeah. So it was. I was. It was awesome that he got to join like Bruce Lee band and then Jeff's band and actually play in front of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny watch like you know like because he he started his career like just he immediately was at the top. Like when he joined his like first band, like they were signed to, like Madonna's record label or some shit, and they were playing yeah. in Japan for thirty five thousand people. 
and then he kind of fell, you know, into what you were talking about. Then he joined our band. So like he got to like have like a, you know, second resurgence. And it's, it's funny watching him, you know, it was funny. It was funny watching him like learn how like punk works as opposed to metal. Cause you know, it's a lot nicer. He's like, Oh wait, you don't have to like buy yourself onto tours in this world. It's like, no, he's like, Oh, that's cool. <laughs> buy yourself onto tours. Jesus. And that's what's how that, you know, that's how it, that's how it goes over there. It's like you, you know, the, the support band buys the headlining uh, band's bust. That's horrible. You know? I hate that. It's, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Like uh, a couple of the guys I work with, in corporate world, like they're all, you know, ex rocker dudes. And a lot of them are from that world. And when we just tell stories, I'm just like, Holy fuck. I wouldn't have lasted 10 minutes there, man. You know, in, in that, in that kind of situation, it's, it's so, it's so cutthroat. Yeah. I think the, the punk world and all the little like subgenres of punk, the, the emphasis on community and all that stuff, I think is, is definitely been a huge part of what's like kept it, you know, a little better than other scenes, even though not every band is participates in that necessarily. No, but it it's like from, from, from the jump though, like it's kind of like, it's kind you of, know, where you in. start off yeah. from, it's like in there, it's baked in. And like, I think it's why people stick around a little longer. Yeah. It's certainly probably why I've stuck around for so many years. It's cause it's more welcoming and just nice. You know, it's like, yeah. it's just an easier gig than, you know, your, you know, out there you know trying to step on people <laughs> to get by you know thank you know you, there's there's only so many years of your life you can you know exist that way before you just explode yeah all right so okay 20, 2013 bomb the music industry performance um it's on youtube you guys go into a song written by jt called pussy mouth oh where the fuck <laughs> did you find that and you and laura stevenson sing the song so do you remember this <laughs> Uh, I remember the song. I, I thought he scrubbed that from the internet. <laughs> well, he's, he's JT has been really trying to get rid of that song. Oh, okay. Well, it's on this inter- interview now. Interview now. That's a shame for him. <laughs> um, <laughs> he he yeah he had a song that that's what it was called. Um, it was cr- crude, right? <laughs> that's the word I'd say. Um, and we, it was, we laughed at him and, uh, we heard it and every once in a while, uh, it would, uh, come back up in conversation. I guess it came back up in conversation that day because we all knew how it went. So I, we would play it, you know, we could play, it was like one chord. It was like E and it was like a funky bass riff on E. It was real gross. As gross as the song deserved, <laughs> uh, as you can imagine. So Yeah. You know, and Laura, Laura's always down for a fun time. So she probably started it, honestly. And yeah. I was like, oh, fun. We're doing this bad thing. <laughs> you know. JT, uh, you guys were roommates once? In college. Yeah. Yeah, we were roommates in college. Um, the My freshman year. Um, but I had met him. You know, we were, I was in Sprout at that point. Because his guitar player, he called me. Because on the back of the Long Island Ska, whatever the fuck. Uh, thing was a phone number for everyone in the band for one for, for one person so you could like if you wanted to book a show with like ed and his goldfish you could call gary and you could talk to him i'm sure a lot of people did that probably bummed him out well this is like it was his fucking record at Compliment. i love i love back in the day just like just giving the phone number and it's usually <laughs> a landline too so it's like here's my my here's my parents phone number yeah a lot of us were so young was our parents 
<laughs> yeah, my phone number in there was my parents' phone number. So JT called my parents, um, and he was looking for because the band that I was on there for was, was on there for two bands: the Arrogant Sons of Bitches was on there, and the other, and nothing else was on with Orange was on there. And my number was the contact for that. Um, I don't know why, but it was. But JT called me, and he was looking to do a collaboration or to have a have a girl sing on one of his songs. And our singer was a, a, a lady. So he wanted her phone number. Um, and then we stayed in touch. And then and then he remembered, he's like, oh, you play guitar. My guitar player is going to college in like Iowa or some shit. It's like, you you want to play fill in at Sprout? I was like, oh, yeah. And that was kind of like the beginning of me being in 300 bands. <laughs> um, but so we were we were friends before. But we were friends before we were roommates. And we stayed, you know, we're still friends now. I still... We still throw each other work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he works in the. What does he do? I know he works at li- live music as well. He's like he's like a he works for uh, AG. Like he goes on tour with bands as like the promoter rep. Oh, okay. It's uh so like you know it's 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 new it's it's weird um but you know, he he does stuff like that like he's like he works for AG and he like you know he he uh he does the promoter side of like tours. So like he gets to show and like make sure that the labor is there and that like you know there's a green room and that it's set up and you know all that stuff. So d- just so he he messaged me um, like not that long ago when he was doing uh, he was working with uh, or one hundred he was either working with a hundred gex or hundred gex was at a show he was working because mm-hmm. this is part of the hundred gex are they how self aware are they about their ska influences that they're bringing in right because they don't really talk about them. And so he's, he told me that he was wearing a less than Jake shirt and he saw the band and they're like, oh yeah, less than Jake, love that band. And he was, I think he asked him, he's like, so what's up with the ska in your songs? And they go, we just like our songs to be fun. And then they were <laughs> off to go play. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, can't blame them. Yeah. I mean, God's fun. God's fun. Uh, the, way, the way they're doing it is, um, it's certainly fun. It's it also makes my brain hurt a little bit. But, uh, it's like, oh. it's like me- menacing, but but fun, but kind of cute, but kind of uh, evil. That's the kind of sky I like. Yeah. I like the sky to be, to be a little uh, concerning. <laughs> like ooh, like that band Folly. Yeah, it was really. They they just played. I was really bummed I couldn't go see them. They played the same day we played like the Ginormo Gaslight Show. Ah. Uh. This is a big bummer. I would have loved to have gone to that. I love playing with that band when when they were uh, a band, you know, in the early 2000s. Okay, so I want to talk about the uh, when Jeff Rosenstock band played Seth Meyers show. Yes, you did. You guys did a pre-recorded thing, but the whole band went to like, I don't know, was it L.A. somewhere? Oakland. Oakland. Okay. Except you, right? Yes. You were green screened in. Yes. Okay, so how did that work? Did you work with like actual like people with Seth Meyers' team in New York or something? Absolutely not. <laughs> no, it was just like a friend. No, I did it in my living room. <laughs> <laughs> you have a green screen? I bought one. You brought it. Okay. okay. So I so Jeff was like so so Jeff was we're so the way that was supposed to work was we were supposed to be on Seth Meyers and then we were gonna like announce our album. And then yeah. COVID happened and then no one's plans, you know, got, to, you know, like that Mike Tyson quote, everyone has a plan until you get punched in the mouth. Um, uh, but uh, so everything changed. So we were, they still wanted us on the show. And so they all went up to Oakland to Jack's cause it was big. Jack's Jack's live room is huge. 
um, Jack Shirley. Jack Shirley, yeah. Jack Shirley, okay. That's who we record all our albums with. So they all went up to Jack. And I told Jeff, I was like, hey, man, listen, if you want me to come, I'll drive. I'll sleep in my car. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll drive across the country. I'll sleep in my car so there's no COVID situations. Like, I'll get on a plane. Because at that point, my, my fiance was already back flying for work. So I, was, I wasn't too terrified. I was like, I'll, I'll fly out there. I'll sit in a hotel for a week to make sure I don't have COVID. Then she was like, no, 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 no that's all crazy. Don't do any of that. Just we'll do a green screen and we'll just figure it out. So I bought a green screen. Luckily, my fiance um, had some like lights and some stands because she does a lot of uh, content for her job, like video stuff. So she had a couple of things and she helped me. She showed me how to do it. So we just filmed it on two iPhones, just like in my living room. If you look at the um, uh, if you look at the the live from the garden thing we did, mm-hmm. like on YouTube, it's like one of the first things that comes up. That's Jack Studio. It's called the Atomic Garden. If you look at that, because that's where we the Seth Myers was just we 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 they filmed it all in the same day. And then I filmed it all in the same day, like. We did scram for Seth Meyers and then we did like however many other songs for that like YouTube thing we did. If you look in like in the middle of Airbnb, like it cuts to like me. It cuts to a shot of me in my living, like like a wider shot. And you can see the green screen, like with my couch and my cat, like just like in there, like you see like what I was doing, like in my house. But it was it was very silly. Like I set this stupid thing up. The cats were clawing on the whole thing. They were. They wanted to knock it down and uh, it was weird. Uh, the lady who used to live above us, God knows what she thought. Cause you know, I had to like perform. I had to like jump up and down and like, look like I was excited. Um, Cause I knew I was going to be on TV uh, and I knew the rest of them wouldn't just be standing there. So I had to, you know, I had to do a little, do a little acting. It was really weird. It was a really weird thing to do. Yeah. It was funny. Cause, and, and by the way, just for reference, this is in 2020. So this is, this was when people were pretty locked yeah. down. Yeah, 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 yeah. This was like it wasn't like twenty twenty one. People are starting to sort of yeah. This was this was the summer of twenty twenty. Yeah, M- maybe not even the summer. Maybe the spring, honestly. So like yeah, because this this was correlates to No Dream coming out. Mm-hmm. So you're um, you actually it looks pretty good when when it's set up right when you know you just see like oh there's the bass player but then. Then there's parts where you guys just fuck with it. Like you're just like, here's a mini, here's a mini John on the amp. Yeah, I think like, I think that was I think that was the thing. Jeff was like, I don't want this to look real. Like I want it to look real for a second, and then I want, you know, I don't want people to be like, and that's see, that's that's the thing. You know, he's he's a genius, man. I wouldn't have thought of that. Like he uh, you know, it's like I want people to look at it and be like, is that real? Oh, it's definite oh shit. Oh, that's really not real. Okay. You know, you know, you, sh- you know, you, you shouldn't, you know, if, if, if you're, if you're not going to do it real, you might as well have some fucking fun with it. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It was a, it was a good approach. Yeah. You know, cause then was, you're like, wait, is anyone else green screened? <laughs> that, that was my next thought. It was a lot of work. Apparently, you know, he, he did that. He edited all that himself. Like that wasn't, we didn't farm that out to anyone. Like he, he did all that. I think he even mixed, uh, scram i don't think he mixed the um uh the atomic garden part um but he mixed scram he like he edited the video and he mixed the music and so so seth meyer's team wasn't even involved it was just like here's a tape exactly we just they said we just we just emailed them a file 
So here you go. This is us. What a, what a deal for them. Yeah. <laughs> Every time we've been on TV, it's kind of been like that. When we were on Carson Daly, all they did was they just showed up to one of our shows. They said, which songs would you like us to film? We gave them a few songs. They said, okay. And then we never saw them. And then we were on TV. <laughs> and I got a bunch of money. It was awesome. It like it was like this is it. This is it. This is all you got to do. It like every like the only thing I noticed was like when we would play one of the songs we said like I saw like a camera like pop up like in the middle of the crowd like on a stick. Like it's it's being on you know <laughs> if, if being on TV was always that easy like geez like please put me on TV every day <laughs> or just like do something in my house. Yeah, as long as you could stay in your house, just throw up the green screen. And now, and now I have a green screen. You know, Mike Park asked me about that. Bring him back. This because I can, I can give him a little jab here. Yeah, I bought it on B and H. It was like a hundred fifty dollars. It's big. It's like twenty by twenty. Because I wanted the whole, you know, I needed it to be super, super big. So if I moved around, like I stayed in it. And he, I, I remember he did that thing with with Augusta, um, uh, like uh, something. He's like, "How do you? Where'd you get your green screen?" I'm like I bought it. He's like, uh, "I want to try and make one." I was like. You can make one. It, you'll probably save $20, man. Just buy the one I bought. He's like, uh, no, I'm going to do cheap. I'm going to make a cheap one. I was like, all right, stupid. <laughs> it's going to take you like eight hours to make the fucking thing, or you could just <laughs> save the 20 bucks. <laughs> you know, that's Mike. You know, he's, he's, he's also the infamously the one who tries to put you on those Southwest flights that have seven layovers because he saves three bucks. <laughs> <laughs> like, come on. Like, for his birthday, like, the last show we played before, I think, COVID, like, we flew out to play his, like, uh, his birthday party. And it was like, this is the flight I'm going to put you on. I was like, Mike, this flight is 18 hours <laughs> to get to California. I could walk there quicker. And I, and I was like, this is your birthday present is I'm going to do this for you. I'm not going to yell. That's <laughs> <But laughs> uh, one of his famous moves. Yeah. All right. So you mentioned earlier um, that uh, the internet thinks you, you once were in every time I die. It it does. It still does. Every once in a while, I'll still come up to, or someone will still like not be sure of that. So did this all stem from that Arrogant Sons of Bitches song, Congratulations, John, on joining Every Time I Die? That is a bomb the music industry song. Oh, it's a bomb. Oh, it's a bomb music industry song. Okay. Uh, and yes, it did. Okay. So what's the origin of this song? Was it just a joke or was there any actual story behind it? The origin was me and Jeff worked at this venue um, on Long Island called The Downtown. A lot of bands had played there. Dan had played, you know, MEP30 played there. Rubik Fish played there. A lot of bands played there. Lesson Jake did not actually I'm thinking about it. Um, but it was, it was like, it was a sick venue. It was like, it was like 400 cap. It was awesome. It sounded amazing. Um, so we all worked there and, uh, a couple of the people that worked there were like homies with every time I die and they had just lost their bass player. And one of them came up to me one day. He's like, Hey man, you play bass, right? I was like, yes. He's like, you want to be in every time I die? I was like, Ooh, they're like that hardcore band. Right. And he was like, yeah. I'm like, do they tour on a bus? And he went, yes. I said, okay. Yes, I do. What does this mean? And he goes, well, they need a bass player. I'll tell them you want to do it. I was like, surely there's more to it than that. <laughs> he's like, no, no, you're going to be in the band. I was like, and Jeff was standing next to me. He's like, what is this? I was like, apparently I'm going to be in every time I die. He's like, that doesn't sound right. I'm like, no, it doesn't. But he says I'm going to be. Um, and then he was like, well, you're going to still be in my band? I was like, or in our band? I was like, yeah, sure. I want to home. It's like, okay. I was like, none of this is going to fucking happen. 
And then the next day they were like, yo man, you're, you're serious about that. I was like, yep, I'm totally serious. I'm ready to go. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, there's no way this is how this works. I've never met them. They're like, no, we're, we're friends with them. You're going to be in the band. I'm like, okay. And then of course, nothing fucking happened. I've never met them except for like when they would play that club and I worked like I'd like, you know, put a mic on their kick drum and they got a bass player from someone they fucking knew. But you know, Jeff was funny. It was like a funny, like a ha, like a funny ha ha thing that we laughed about. So he just like wrote the fictitious song and then people thought it was real because everyone's crazy. But, like that's like literally all it was They're like, yeah, you'll be in the band. I was like, surely, surely there's more to it than that. I'm in a band. I know what you have to do to join a band. Step one is they need to know you exist. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, did you mention it to them when you uh, mic their kick drum? No, I, I had never seen them since. This, okay. I, I had I had, uh, I had never worked. At that point, um, they didn't play that club anymore. And I think maybe JT said he mentioned it to one of them. And they were like, <laughs> we don't know what you're talking about. You know, like, <laughs> obviously this like ska joke, like in the ska scene, never made it to you know, a, a famous hardcore band. So they're not aware of me still, which is fine. They don't need to be. Um, but it, it like, it does, you know, people do ask me like, then they're serious. Like, Oh, we heard you were really upset when you left every time I died. Cause they were just <laughs> going in a direction. You're like, where did you fucking hear? It's like, it's, but when you hear that, like when you're like literally a part of like a game of telephone, you like understand how like just crazy rumors happen. You're like, wow. Like if, if, if earth, cared enough to make a rumor about me no one like you know this is how like you know these crazy rumors happen about all sorts of famous people so you're like oh, okay this is how it starts yeah but yeah never 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 and every time i would have loved to i loved that that record hot damn is a perfect record it's 22 minutes long it's exactly the amount of time those records should be it fucking at no point stops being a ripper it's great that's a great record awesome can't 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 say enough about that record. According to the rumor, what's the is there a point or a creative decision they made that was the last straw for you? No, there's no specific thing, but like we I I had at some point we, I had we had grown apart creatively. <laughs> so we, I left. I left the band. Uh, yeah. You know. Well listen, I'm I'm still in a band and they're not, so I made the right decision, I guess. <laughs> yeah, good good call on you. I made it. I made it through. All right. So there's a there's a Punk News interview that Jeff did during the bomb era. And he's talking about how, at the time at least, you, you guys made a habit of finding the worst music to listen to in the van. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. uh, and he says in the interview that the pinnacle of this behavior is you and Mike, I assume he means Costa, listening to a five to six hour 311 bootleg. Um, let's see. I wouldn't say that was the pinnacle. <laughs> <laughs> and that uh, it was uh, there were sixty nine songs, and it was performed on three eleven. Yeah, so so three eleven used to. I don't know if they do it anymore because it's just too many songs. But they used to on three eleven, like on March eleventh, they used to do a show and uh, play every song. They play every one of their songs. Now they just do a show like in Vegas, I think, or they do the boat thing. Um, but no, we listened to like a whole three eleven day show. It was like five and a half hours long and it was fun. Listen, you know, we three eleven was one of those bands that like, I think we started listening to, like I listened to that band when I was like 14, I was like, this fucking rips, they rap and they play guitar. So we needed it. 
Um, <laughs> so I, I knew what the it was. The two wanted. greatest things ever. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is perfect. Like, wow. Um, and they smoke weed. So it's like, like what? Like, please. Like, this couldn't be better for a, a child. Um, but uh, <laughs> like a, a, a freshman in high school. Like, this is a perfect, the perfect uh, band for me. But, you know, I think at some point in Bomb, we were like, remember 311? They were funny. Like, that was a stupid band. We were like jokingly listen to it. And then it all, the joke flipped on every one of us. We're like, oh, we like this. This sucks. Like, now we like this band. Like, <laughs> like we like, like, I, I genuinely enjoy some of this. But Tom never, never came. Tom was like, this is, I, I fucking hate you. So I think we all had a nice time listening to a 311 concert. And Tom was so miserable. He was so mm-hmm. mad. He was so sad. I think we all like, I think at one point I passed around money to everyone actually during that. I was like, all right, everyone, great job. We're having a great job. Let's 311. And I gave everyone money and Tom threw his money out the window. It's like, I'm not taking your fucking 311 money. (laughs) (laughs) And that band famously made not as, you know, we were not like we were a rich band. So he was throwing away, you know, 10% of his earning that day. Wow. That's the, he took a stand. He took a stand. He was really a really a man of principle. We listened to way worse music than that. That that was, I mean, five hours of three eleven is brutal. Um, but uh, we listened to lots of bad music. I, you know, I still kind of like playing that game. Listening, to, we, what was it? We 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 did something just like that. Um, I think when we started the November tour, maybe or the June tour, we listened to that Metallica cover album. Are you familiar with this? So what is it? Bands covering Metallica? Yeah, yeah, but it's 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 them. So it's stupid. So like instead of picking one band to cover Enter Sandman, they have nine bands covering Enter Sandman. <laughs> so it's nine covers of Enter Sandman in a row. And then it's it's all covers of the Black Album. And then it's whatever song two on the Black Album is. And seven covers of that. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> it's fucking maddening. And we listened to that. To, and that was like five and a half hours. That's how we started one of our tours. I forget if it was the June tour or the November tour. Oh. That's how we began a very long drive. And then you just listen to it in order. So it's the same song over and over uh-huh. again. Yep. <laughs> I'm always like into that. That's always like something I want to do. I'm always into like like a weird, like punishing audio experience. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of, that's kind of my jam when I'm up there in the front. I was like, let's do something that's going to be weird for a really long time. What? Okay. So give us some more examples. Uh, well, that's the best one, regrettably. Um, but just like (laughs) listening to like, you know, like I, I love listening to the crazy, uh, what was it that the crazy demos? I love that. I'm like, let's just go on. They people gave us music. Let's let's listen to this shit. Who knows what it's gonna be? That's always fun. Um, <laughs> yes. I always like doing that. Um, but you know, or just like you know, listening to what was it we uh, one time I drove with someone. We had to drive to. We were playing South. I, this wasn't with uh, Bond. Was with Laura. We had to drive to uh, South by Southwest. We had to get there. Like we had to drive overnight. So I listened to the whole Green Day discography backwards. <laughs> <laughs> really, really a problem. Really bad for. And, and and by the time you get to the parts that are good, you just don't care anymore. <laughs> so I did that. We li- bomb listened to Uno Dos Trace once in a row, and we all and then we sat there and we like graded each record. We like voted on what we thought was good. What was the best one? I think Dose was like barely better than the other two, but they were all, you know, that was a tough, that was a tough period of their time. 
would would not recommend anyone experiencing those records <laughs> that way or that band that way. That was bad. You know, sometimes you need an editor. Sometimes just because you can put out three albums doesn't mean you should. Yeah. I mean, I really think the un- unsolicited demos is is my favorite punishing listen. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it's, you know. Oh, you know, we did. Th- that was. <laughs> we was it, it was uh, the tour the Jeff band did with uh, Hard Girls and Katie Ellen. We 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 had a local opener at every show. And um, the way we picked it was we had everyone just send a, a song to us and we listened to each band of like, so like we'd have like, four, like nine songs from like, you know, Austin from nine different bands. We'd listen to those nine bands and then we'd all vote on the one we liked the best. That was a pretty fucking crazy thing too. In the band. And I loved that. I was like, <laughs> this is awesome. It's like a game, you know, a lot of them, you know, were not good. But then there, there was a, you know, there was a couple that were good. Like, um, uh, what was the, what's the band? Uh, there's a couple of bands that came out of that that are like now extremely popular. We're like, oh shit. Um, so some of that was cool, but, uh, oh, you guys, you guys really like, helped. Well, I don't know if we helped. I think we just found some people that were going to break, you know, before they did, you know, it was, uh, th- that's always a fun a van experience for me. Just like a, a, a very long game that, you know, eventually becomes punishing. That's that's my that's what I'm interested <laughs> in. And if, and if that's not happening, I just go to sleep. Is there something about so so doing like long drives is a punishing act, like day after day? Is there something about adding a, a, a new layer of punishing to an already existing punishing act? Is there something about that? I think I think it just makes it pass the time easier. You know, mm-hmm. I think it's you know you're all doing the thing together. It makes it it makes an interactive experience because I really hate being in the fucking van i just hate it it's shocking that i've chosen this life uh because it's the majority of what you do is you sit in the van Um, yeah so i just like i just really like anything that distracts me from that and uh, there's nothing more distracting than you know five and a half hours of 12 versions of enter sandman <laughs> so like holy shit this is still happening to me wow like it's you know it's like a you're really distracting your pain to one other place that's like when you were a kid playing soccer and you got like shin splints that you're supposed to like squeeze your lips so you like create a pain in what a different area to distract the pain from i think that's exactly what it is yeah. that's how i process like exp- like d- handling being in the van and being super bored i just like bother myself in a different way <laughs> I think that's, you know, I've now f- come to enjoy that. So the in, in the same interview that Jeff did about the uh, punishing songs and the 311 bootleg, he mentioned one song on there because, you, like you said, it's like all the songs. He said there was one song called Juan Bond. Yes. That, that he said that might be the worst song ever. I don't know if it's the worst song ever, but it's very bad. Have you heard the song, Adam? Which song? It's called. It's a three eleven song called Juan Bond, and I think it's like a B side or something. It's one hundred percent a B side. Yeah, it's terrible. It is like really bad. So everybody out there, just go to YouTube and just give the song a listen. I haven't heard that. Yeah, it's a bad song. It's uh, it's it. They said it was like they played it and they're like, that sounds like something James Bond would play, but if he was Spanish. Like, holy fuck. Like, like these are like literally the stupidest people alive. Sometimes you hear them talk like they, they have like a, like a, th- like there's like a 311 documentary that, that you could find. I forget what it's called, but 
um, you just see the, the, them talking like, oh, these are these are some dumb, dumb boys. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, when you hear stuff like that, you're like, yeah, that's what they probably thought. You're like, and they made this song and they're like, well, it's it's James Bond. But if he, you know, was Juan Bond instead and it doesn't sound like anything, it just sounds like a stupid 311 song. <laughs> I know it doesn't. That, that premise doesn't hold up to. No, the sound not at song. all. Not at all. <laughs> Like I like you know that's how they got there, but that's you know at the beginning it should sound you know like a spy song in some way. It doesn't sound anything like that. It doesn't sound like a spy song. There's not a Spanish element that I could make out. None, none. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's you know, but what it's listen. They're having they're having a great time. They're having a great time being three eleven. There's no doubt denying. That. Did uh did you guys do um at some point a three eleven set? No, we tried to play the three eleven cruise. But they, we got, we tried to, that was like, that was what we tried to get side one. Like when we signed the side one dummy, like that was like the, one of the things like, can you get us to play the 311 cruise? So like, that was like, that was like someone's job for a day was like, how do we like make this band play the 311 cruise? And we like got like a letter requesting to play the cruise, like notarized at 311 on 311 sent to them some stuff but they never asked us to play the cruise we still want to like there's like i feel like ska dream is our way in we need to just like get that into their universe like we'll play ska dream on your cruise if you let us come on your cruise like we're still we still want to do that it would be fun so peanut if you're listening get the band yeah Yeah, get the band on the cruise yeah please come on we're good we're, we're a good hang yeah We'll, you know, six or seven of us will show up and be polite and enjoy your cruise. Um, <laughs> and we'll, we'll smile when you play Wand Bond. <laughs> if you do. But uh, so you did do uh, in you personally uh, in 2015. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Okay. Yeah. Smith's cover set. Oh, the three eleven at this thing. We I, okay. We, well, tell me about the the three eleven thing first. The three eleven thing was just uh, my friend uh, Justin, who is a Twitch streamer person, hardcore Justin. Um, he was moving from New York, and that was his like uh, like he's going away party. And um, as three eleven is in our circle, kind of a jokey joke, we put together a three eleven cover band that just played like six three eleven songs at his like surprise birthday at his surprise going away party. And Jeff just was there um, and just knew all the essay rap parts because we didn't have that person. We just had mm. my friend Chris who was going to sing. And then Jeff was like, I'll just do all the essay parts because he knew them all. So Jeff was there. So it kind of looks and Costa was playing drums. So it kind of looks like a bomb show, I guess. Yeah. But that wasn't like a, a you know, a bomb affiliated thing. That was just that just happened. Yeah, yeah. Organic. Unofficial. Yeah. It was Unofficial. An organically created 311 set with Jeff. It was very funny. And Peanut, if you look on the YouTube, if it's on YouTube, like Peanut comments like that he likes it. Oh, yeah, we okay. Got, we, got, we got the thumbs up from Peanut. All right. So, but okay. So 2015. The Smiths. At Fest, you did a, you were part of a Smiths cover set uh, with mm-hmm. Chris Gethard on the lead vocals. Yes. Chris messaged me on something, maybe Twitter. And he's like, hey, John. And I kind of like knew him, sort of. He's like, I was like, hello, Chris. He's like, do you like the Smiths? I was like, no. He's like, okay, <laughs> no. <laughs> he's like, never mind. And then I was like, wait a second, why? Uh, he's like, I'm putting together the Smiths cover band for Fest. So like, oh, I'll do that. He's like, but you don't like the Smiths. I'm like, I don't care. I'm, I'm in enough bands. I don't need to like them all. Um, I was like, that sounds fun. So um, 
I listened to a bunch of Smith songs and I learned them. They're all really interesting. They were fun to learn. Mm -hmm. Uh, the music in that band is extremely good. Um, and then, uh, he, 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 uh, always famously says that I showed up to the first practice and I knew the songs better than the rest of the band did. And I was correct. I was correcting them on how things go. Really? Is that true? Yes. Yes. Um, it is. But I mean, I think it's just because Alex and Mikey just love those songs so long. They just, you know, they played them just like from memory because yeah. they just knew. Them. Yeah. They assumed they knew them, but you didn't as a not fan, you actually had to study them. I studied them. And that's kind of like my thing too. It's like when I, I'm, I'm always very well prepared when I join a, a group or like when I play with the band, cause I like being asked to do it. So I feel like, and I always tell people this, it's like, if you're going to be in someone's band, you better show up. No, you know, knowing the fucking tunes or what the fuck are you doing there? You're not going to get asked back to do it. So, you know, it's kind of like, even if it's a fun, like thing like that, you want to show up knowing what you're doing. So the next time someone, you know, like Mikey or Alex or whoever has a band, they're like, Oh yeah, John fucking shows up and he knows how the songs go. You know, we, there's no worry about him. So I want to be able to be asked to do that. So, you, you know, even though it's a fun thing, you still, still got to take it serious and prepare. But, you know, in my New York way, I think I might've been a little more aggressive than I thought I was being like, that's not how the song goes <laughs> to the people who've been listening to the song their whole lives. Um, and it was funny. We all joke about it, but uh, yeah, I, I was correcting them and, and you know, we played that we played a couple shows. People opened up for beach slang once at uh, really. Yeah. That was very funny. Chris was doing like doing the Morrissey impression, making fun of beach slang between songs and I was like <laughs> laying on the ground laughing. I couldn't, I couldn't even stand up. It was so funny. It like, just like, it was like a roast, but as Morrissey, it was amazing. Cause he, you know, obviously he's extremely funny as he's a comedian. Um, it was, it was, it was a, it was a very fun time. That was great. I loved that. So at Fest, the Fest set, you're wearing your Smith shirt. The one that has, uh, Oh, Will Smith. Will, yeah. Right. Will Smith. <laughs> The slapper, <laughs> famous slapper. Yeah, the famous. <laughs> I, I, that's, that's a nice touch, and I think that uh, now knowing that you're not a fan, I think that adds an extra layer to it. Well, it's funny. It's you know, I didn't know anything about the Smiths, and I was just like, I just, I think I just, I heard him saying, and I was like, this sucks. Whatever sound this man is making is terrible. But then I listened to them and I was like, oh, this is kind of good. And then you, I find out that he's like the fucking worst person in the world. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. man, like everyone had like so many years to not to listen to this band before. Like, I was like, you can't listen to this band. This is a monster. Like, I never got to like everyone got to, their, their Smith's time, <laughs> you know, that they could like, you know, you know, pretend they didn't know he was terrible. I can't, you know, I can't listen to them. I know he's terrible now. And now I never got to listen to those albums. So I'm kind of pissed, you know, Yeah, I should have went back and listened to him, you know, before he was, you know, saying the most vile stuff possible. Yeah. But, well, you know, there's other bands, I guess. Um, but yeah, I, I was not a fan at all. Um, you know, the, the only Smith songs are the ones that I know are the ones I know how to play. Yeah. I mean, the Smiths are interesting musically because what the band plays and what Morrissey sings are kind of not, they're kind of at odds in a weird way, but it like works mm -hmm. like the melodies like are not like, if you just heard the instrumental Smith songs, his melodies are not what you would think to put on top of those songs. Sure. Sure. So, and then his delivery is also 
bonk. Like, it's like, why is it? This guy sounds like a bird. Like, what's he doing? Like, it's like <laughs> the most beautiful guitar playing imaginable. And he's like squawking over it. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> That's that. I think it took me a while to like get past that, you know, in the listening. I was like, oh, okay. I can see what's happening here. Sort of like he still is making bird sounds, but I kind of see why he's making bird sounds. <laughs> It sucks that he's like came out with so many like horrible comments of right wing and like anti-immigrant and all this because his whole thing was like so drenched in like these this irony and this like provocative thing where you just say things that were just like nonsensically provocative. Mm -hmm. But it wouldn't be it wouldn't be things that were so offensive, you know, back in the day. It would just be nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. So then it turns out, oh, he's actually a bad person, not just a weird weirdo. He's just another one of those guys, man. You did, he's like, you didn't need to say anything. You could have just sat on your fucking pile of money and never <laughs> exactly. bothered anyone. Like, you didn't need to, it's like, like all these people, like, what was it? Just like the other day, like, fucking MIA said something on Twitter. It's like, you don't need to say this. You're famous. <laughs> You're Shut up. Just don't say anything. <laughs> Sit on your money and be happy. <laughs> like, it's I know. like the Harry Potter lady. It's like, what the fuck's wrong with you? What are you doing? Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. No one is asking for your opinion on anything. Sit on your billion dollars and die happy. You don't need to do this. <laughs> what is what is it about these rich famous people that they need to be tweeting or just talking? Like just yeah. Yeah, about stuff that doesn't involve them. It's very crazy. It, I think it's just, you know, it's I mean, it's ego, right? People get money and they think they're big shots and then they think that they matter and they get sad when they, you know, I guess all right, right, money is money's not the, you know, cure of happiness, right? It's you no, know, after a while, people forget about them. So they just got to just, you know, get on Twitter and say, you know, something fucking homophobic. So they feel <laughs> something, I guess. I, I don't guess know. So. <laughs> and then, and then it's like, oh God, what the hell, man? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, good, good on them for exposing that they're terrible, but also you just didn't have to do that. Mm-hmm. You could have just kept your mouth shut. You could have just kept your mouth shut. Everyone would have been happy. We all kept reading the fucking wizard book and no one would have cared. <laughs> but, you know, and, we, and I could have listened to the queen is dead and would have been fucking fine, you know, but now we can't. So that's that. <laughs> All right. I think, I think that should cover the episode, but um, <laughs> you gotta, <laughs> that's a good way to go. A good out. spot to go out. Thank you so much for listening to In Defense of Ska. If you've enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe to the podcast wherever you normally stream or download episodes. If you haven't already, grab a copy of my book, In Defense of Ska, available at clashbooks.com. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. It's at In Defense of Ska. And please consider joining our Patreon at patreon.com backslash in defense of ska you will get monthly bonus episodes extended interviews and commentary per episode and access to the in defense of ska discord in defense of ska would not be possible without the great team that tirelessly works on it every week so you should go check out their other projects as well co-host adam davis has an amazing band called omnigon give them a follow on instagram and twitter it's simply at Omnigon. And our editor, Chris Reeves, has a phenomenal record label and podcast called Ska Punk International. 
For more information, go to skapunkinternational.com. And if you've ever enjoyed one of the highly specific in-defensive ska memes floating around the interwebs, it was likely the work of The Bands I Like Only Charge $18. Find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. On that note, we leave you by saying, Ska now more than ever. Hey everybody, it's Barry from the What Podcast. Hey, it's Russ. Hey, it's Brian, and we are giving away two tickets to Bonnaroo 2024. These are GA+, and they include camping. Russ, how do people get qualified? We want to hear your top artists to play on the Bonnaroo 2024 lineup. Call 423-667-7877 and tell us who we should check out. It's the What Podcast. Thanks. Hey, everybody, it's Barry from the What Podcast. Hey, it's Russ. Hey, it's Brian, and we are giving away two tickets to Bonnaroo 2024. These are GA+, and they include camping. Russ, how do people get qualified? We want to hear your top artists to play on the Bonnaroo 2024 lineup. Call 423-667-7877 and tell us who we should check out. It's the What Podcast. Thanks.